thank you for this word today. Thank you, Father God, whether we're here in the room or watching online. We believe this, this message will touch our hearts, will encourage us, and will be a specific, uh, exact word we need for the day that we live in right now. For all the, the tension and all the challenges and division, we thank you, Father God, that your word gives us clear answers. Your word, Lord, gives us solutions. Your word helps focus us. Your word helps us make adjustments where necessary, Father God. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you'll bring your word across with clarity, with accuracy and simplicity. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is part six in our series, Love Thy Neighbor. I want to encourage you to get online at intlfamilychurch.com. If you haven't been caught up yet, they these are enormous, wonderful truths that really are helping us navigate through these very challenging, very different times than any one of us ever expected, and what is yet still to come, these truths will help us. Uh, you know, we talked about last week, we talked about filters. And filters, for better or for worse, right, they color our world. Our filters are so important. Our filters are more important than you realize. Many people don't realize that we actually do have filters. These filters are all a byproduct of our family experiences, our life experiences, and our God experiences. And when our set of filters are healthy, we see life through what through we see life as it really is. When our filters are not healthy, we see life as we are, through eyes of anger or eyes of injustice or eyes of pain or eyes of hurt and eyes of disappointments and and we see life not necessarily always as it is, but as we are and how we feel. And when our view is not clear or out of focus, it, you know, it creates all kind of roadblocks and limitations of what God can do in our lives. What if there was a master filter, the filter of all filters, the filter that superseded all other filters, a filter that would heal every other filter, a filter that would absolutely make adjustments and give us the ability to make sure that our filters are healthy on an ongoing basis. Right? That filter would personally transform anything that was inaccurate in our lives. Well, the good news is such a filter does exist. Amen? And that filter of all filters, that filter that supersedes all others and transforms all the other filters is love. It's actually the very nature of God. And the Bible tells us that God has generously poured out his love in our hearts. And we're grateful for that. And last week we learned that, that from God's word that, that, that love needs to be our number one priority, number one on our spiritual priority list. It should be the main filter we see people, that we see circumstance, that we see others through. And so it's very important. And it's always a filter that needs to be adjusted, always a filter that we need to revisit, always a filter we need to fine tune to make sure, are we looking through the filter of love? Are you looking through this day that we're living in, all that we're facing through the filter of love? That's very important. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14.1 says this in the Living Bible, make love your greatest aim. It says in the Message Bible, go after a life of love as if your life depended on it because it does. Wow. Your life depends on it. 
Your life, my life, the life of your family, the health of your family, your health. It depends on this filter of love that we look at life through this filter. We've learned that the filter of love is not the filter we were born with. We were all born with the filter of selfishness. Selfishness is not learned behavior. We were born with it. In fact, the Bible calls it an inbred part of our nature. The Bible calls it as our sin nature. But the good news is God sent his son Jesus. Aren't you glad? Amen. To shed his blood and to die for us and to be the sacrifice for us so that that our sin nature can be changed. How do you change a nature except for Jesus and his shed blood? And that sin nature is radically changed, right? And so that sin nature is broken, but the habits of that sin nature remain. And so we need to constantly work out our salvation and constantly make sure that our, our, our life and the habits of our flesh and our past and where we've been hurt and how we were raised are constantly being adjusted and transformed. The Bible says that our mind is being renewed by the Word of God. It's an ongoing process, rewired and renovated, and that's the process that we're all going through. Last week, we declared war on selfishness. Amen. How many declared war on selfishness? Let me see your hand today, amen, or nod your head or stand up and wiggle, whatever you want to do so I could see that you're with me today, amen. It's time to be relentless against selfishness, that we refuse to allow selfishness, right, to be uh, in our lives, to be self-centered people, that all we have in our mind is ourselves, and we need to get ourselves off our mind and realize the only way to get through these last of the last days, the only way to get through all that we're about to face in, a, in an election and, and all the challenges that we are facing as a nation is that we must get our eyes off ourselves. When we are only have our eyes on ourselves, we are people most miserable. We really are. When there is no one in your world but you, and you are the center of your little world, that makes you nothing but miserable, right? Selfish people are unhappy people. You cannot be selfish and happy at the same time. You got to make a choice. You want to be happy? Or the Bible word will be joyful. You want to have that joy in your heart? You want to be happy in your heart? Well, you mean, you got to make up your mind. If you're going to be selfish, you're not going to be happy. You're not going to be joyful, right? You might be in your own little world happy with yourself, but you're not going to be very um, equipped to make any kind of difference in the world like we're supposed to as children of God. You need to get yourself off your mind. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Here's our big takeaway today. Here's where we're going. The greater your capacity to love, the greater your ability to see people the way God sees people. I want to help you today. I want to help increase and enlarge the capacity of your heart. The only reason why you don't see like Jesus sees is because of the condition of your heart. I want to prove it to you today. I want to help you understand today so you'll be committed to doing something about your heart doing something about this real, the part that's the real you. I, I see some beautiful faces today, the parts that I can see, right? And, uh, and most of you I recognize, some of you I'm not sure who you are yet. Um, but I, I know that, 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 that the real us is not what we see. The real us is on the inside. The man, that woman of the heart, that, that inside 
person. Amen. I want you to see the way, see people the way God sees people. What would happen if we saw our spouses, our children, our family, our friends, neighbors, coworkers, immigrants, Democrats, Republicans, the way God saw them, the way God sees them. Man, life as we know it would change. Let's get into this today. How do we enlarge our heart's capacity to love? How do we do this? Well, three things I want to offer you today. Three things that I believe will absolutely enlarge the capacity of your heart. Three things that have helped enlarge my heart. And three things that will, will help enlarge your heart and will continually be reminders to make sure that your heart stays enlarged. Because just because it got large once doesn't mean it's going to stay that way. Just because your heart got transformed one day doesn't mean a week from now, a month from now, depending on your circumstances, that it'll be, still be enlarged. You need to recognize today that, that even though it is, it's opened and now we are open to more of what God has, we've got to realize today that just because it got enlarged once, amen, doesn't mean it stays that way because life has a way of shrinking big hearts. Number one, you ready? Experience God's love for yourself. Experience God's love for yourself. How do you express something you haven't yet experienced, right? It's like trying to recommend a restaurant that you haven't eaten their food yet. You can't honestly and passionately recommend that restaurant, right? You haven't even eaten their food yet. But once you do eat that food and that food was enjoyable, how many know it's easy once you've personally experienced it, once you personally eat, have eaten the food, how many know now you can passionately recommend that, right? You'll take friends there. You'll do whatever it takes, right? Because you thoroughly enjoyed it. And honestly, today, many of us need to have a fresh encounter with God all over again. I've heard your cries. I've prayed with you. I've talked with you on the phone. I've, I've been there recognizing that, man, life has, has changed and, and the difficulty and the challenging part. All of us are in a need, great need for our hearts to be expanded all over again, for our hearts to be impacted by God's love again, for our hearts to be enlarged in our capacity and our in recognition of what Jesus has done in our lives today. Man, we've watched the news so much and we we, we've been more moved by the coronavirus and more moved by what's on the news than we've been moved by the Spirit of God. We really have. All of us have been challenged. All of us have been challenged in this way. Our hearts have been so restricted by selfishness and isolation and injustice and racism and anger and bitterness and indifference for so long that we need to surrender our hearts back to God again. Amen. One of the greatest expressions. Go ahead. God, yeah, I'm going to give you the opportunity to do that because that's a great place to say a big amen today. One of the greatest expressions of love ever shown to Jesus was so monumental that it's written in all four of the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Not every story in the Bible is, is recorded by every one of the writers of the book of the, of the Gospels. But every one of them, all four, mentions the story. Jesus was eating in someone's house, and a woman who was a well-known sinner comes to the house, and she begins to open up, if you know the story, uh, an alabaster, very expensive alabaster jar of perfume. The Bible says it was worth one year's wage. 
So for our example today, let's say it was $40,000 just to have some round numbers. And she breaks open this $40,000 jar of perfume and begins to pour it on the feet of Jesus. And while she's weeping with her tears and this perfume, she begins with her long hair to wipe the feet of Jesus with her tears and the perfume and uh, that, that is, you know, causing the house, to, this aroma to be everywhere in this house. She begins to wipe his feet. You can imagine the commotion that's going on. Commotion that this woman would be doing this to Jesus. And you could hear the words. You could hear him say, oh, I can't believe she wasted that perfume on Jesus' feet. We could have sold that perfume and given the money to the poor. Or somebody would have said, what is she doing here? What is she uh, allowed to do this for? And, um, and we realize that in the midst of this, in the midst of the commotion, in the midst of her sacrifice, in the midst of her showing love to Jesus, here's the statement Jesus makes in Luke 7, 47. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love, but a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. That's powerful. It really is. Which one of us today are, are, are grateful because we have been forgiven? All of our sins have been forgiven. Are you grateful for that this morning? Every one of our sins have been forgiven. Amen. Aren't you glad that we're not judged on our past, but now we are, we are looking forward to our destiny, right? We're not judged by our past. We have a future with God. We have a brand new opportunity to continually write and rewrite our story that God has in place for us. If you haven't experienced God's forgiveness yet, well, let me tell you, at the end of this service, we're going to make sure you have plenty of opportunity and to have your sins forgiven and to be reminded of the fact that you are forgiven and blood-bought. God's love is the power that forgives sins, heals our emotional wounds, and mends our broken hearts. That's the transforming power of love. Amen. Thank God for the love of God. Oh, once you realize that you are loved, amen, and not because of anything you deserve or anything you can earn, once you realize simply because of the unconditional love of God, not based on anything you have done or will do or will ever do, you can't earn the love of God. Aren't you glad it's unconditional? He loves you with an unconditional love. He really does, no matter how you feel about yourself or others feel about you. Thank God for the unconditional love of God. You need to start each day by declaring God loves you. Then you say it out loud several times throughout the day. You've got to walk around your house or take a break from work or whatever you have to do and just simply say, God loves me. When's the last time you just declared it out loud, bold and, and, and clear? God loves me, right? We're so in that place where we, are, we know we need to love others and we know we need to love God. But when's the last time you thank God for his love for you? That's sometimes the last thing we do because we don't think we deserve it. God loves me. Amen. 
Speak it loud and let the atmosphere hear it. Amen. Get comfortable with it. Amen. Bask in his love and soak in his love and soak your soul in his love, your thinking, your, your emotions, and imagine the glory of it. Amen. Why don't you just close your eyes for a moment and put your hand over your heart and say this out loud with me. God loves me. I am loved by God. Say it again. God loves me. I am loved by God. Do you understand how healing that is? Do you understand how important that is? Especially when you go through difficult times, especially when you're self-doubting yourself and the devil is accusing you and the devil is pushing you and, and you're, you're not in a, in a healthy place and, and maybe you've not done all that you would like to do as a child of God through this season, but you need to know God loves me. I am loved by God. Oh, I love that today. And once your heart is filled with the knowledge of that love, then what happens? You can begin to not only love him, but now love others. It's only out of recognition of God's love for you can that then be translated in loving others with that love. You have to first be impacted by that love yourself. You have to first understand you are loved before you can love somebody else. You have to first understand what Jesus has done for you. He, you didn't deserve it. I don't deserve it. And, and we shouldn't give it only to those we think deserve it or those we're comfortable with. Come on, somebody. Right? Amen. That's the love of God. I love, I love 1 John 4, 19. It says this in the Passion Translation. Our love for others is our greatest response to the love God first demonstrated to us. You want to be grateful for the love that God's loved you with? Love somebody else. Amen. Experience it first. And then once you experience it personally, you can't keep your mouth shut. You want to go out of your way to love. I didn't say everybody's easy to love. I didn't say everybody is, is maybe in your mind deserves it or is so different than you. But you have to understand something. Once you've been experienced God's love, then you can love others. Have you experienced that transforming love? Have you? Then you, more than anyone, should be sharing and loving others no matter what's going on. So how do you enlarge your heart's capacity to love? Well, number one, you experience God's love for yourself. And number two, open your eyes to the needs of others. Open your eyes to the needs of others. We have to retrain our eyes. How do we do that? You retrain your eyes by enlarging the capacity of your heart. Listen, the size of your heart determines the clarity of your eyes. When your heart is small, you can't or maybe won't see what's right in front of you. The size of your heart determines the clarity of your eyes. Amen. I'm telling you, when your heart gets upended by the love of God, when your heart gets impacted by the love of God, the next thing that should happen, it should affect your eyes. What you see, what you've ignored, or what you didn't want to see, right? It affects the way you look at people. It affects the way you look at the world. It affects everything because it's that filter of love. There's a direct connection from your heart to your eyes. Small heart, very small ability to see what God sees. Enlarged heart, enlarged by God's love, it actually affects the way you see and respond to others. Let me tell you about two events that happened in Verna in, in, in my life 
that, that opened our eyes and changed the course of our life. You've heard some of this before, but it bears repeating in this context. Both these events happened before IFC started. One in January and one in July of 1981. These events that took place transformed us. We can look back from today and look back and see that those were transforming moments in our lives. Background, back in the day when Vern and I were dating, that's uh, a few years ago, um, and, and, and I could do no wrong and she can do no wrong. You know how that works. Then you get married and have your honeymoon and then real life sets in, right? Amen. I, I would, as I was dating her, I would come up here to New England and visit her. And of course, we'd go to church and so forth. And I despised the atmosphere up here. I did. Didn't like it. I hated the, and, and disliked the religious uh, rituals. And man, it was just a hard spiritual environment. Didn't like it. Didn't enjoy it at all. And I would typically say these words, I will never move to New England. How'd that work out for me? I will never move to New England. Now, we used to kid around back in the day that if I knew that, I would have said, I will never move to Hawaii. You might want to try that if you want to go someplace else. I mean, it worked with us, right? But, but something happened. Something transformed us, right? In the summer of 1980, Vern and I left the church that we were serving, and, and uh, we moved to Cambridge, Massachusetts with my in-laws, with Vern's parents, just simply out of necessity, simply out of a place to live. It wasn't necessarily that we felt called up here. Uh, my son, Jonathan, was, uh, Jay was a year and a half, and my daughter, Lori, was just several weeks old, and, and some ministry things happened, that, um, and, and then that end of New Year's Eve of 1980, I got fired from my job, and we were just discouraged. We were just upset. We were offended. We were hurt. She was in one room up on the third floor of my in-law's house, and, and, and Verna was in another room. We were crying out to God, and we both agreed that, you know, we were done. We're going to leave the ministry. Who needs this? We can do something else. There's plenty of things I can do to make money, plenty of things that I could do to provide for my family. So we were, we were crying out to God, and, 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 and thank God I involved my dad. You know the, the counsel that my dad gave me and presented our case to my dad. And my father said, Jonathan, you can be bitter or you can be better. Remember that? Aren't you glad, and I'm so glad, that we decided to be better? We decided to be better. At that point in time, we decided to let the hurt go, to let the season you know, go, and to recognize in, in the midst of it all that God wanted to do something new and fresh in our lives. Amen. Thank God we decided to be better because you know what it did? It opened up our heart. Amen. Our heart got set free. Same New England, same traditions, same religious environment, different heart, different set of eyes, and a different filter. Amen. And that year, in the beginning of that year, two Bible studies started because we chose better and our life began to change. July now, let's move forward. July 1981, my wife and I and three others went to a big conference. You know, 10,000, 12,000 people in this conference. And uh, there was my wife and I and three others. 
And we went to this conference, and in this conference, in this big area where you know they're selling uh, CDs and back in the day cassettes and and all the various things and and Merck and so forth. There's this big map of the United States, and it would tell me how many numbers were how many numbers of people were from each state. Well, there were five people from New England, and you guessed who that five was. It was Verna, myself, and three others. Amen. And we're grateful that that all five of us are still here at IFC. And we laid our hands on that map and we declared that we would impact, we would go home and impact New England for the honor and glory of God. That was July of 1981. And November of that year, International Family Church started. And November 15th, we will, we will end our 39th year as a church and start year 40. Isn't that amazing? Now think about that. And we went home and started, knew we were to start IFC. My point is, same New England, same religious attitudes, same hard-headedness, same all those things that I, I, I knew was there, same difficult spiritual environment, everything, nothing changed. What changed? Our hearts. My heart changed, and I fell in love with New England. I was not born here. I, cho- I choose to be a New Englander. Vernon was born in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and I was born in Pennsylvania. But, but man, now heart began to change. Heart began to, to be open. My heart began to fall in love with the very people I said I would never want to be a part of. And look what God has done. You get the point. What could God do for you if you changed your heart? What are you against right now? What are you not for? What are you saying never will ever happen? What are you saying that nothing will ever change my heart? Nothing will ever, ever be able, I'll never be able to love like that again. I'll I'll never be able to serve like that. Or I'll never be able to be involved like that. Or I'll never have what I once had when life fell apart and your dream fell apart. And you thought, I will never be able to have that. I lost my innocence as a young child or I was abused or I was this or I was that. And I'll never be able to get that back. And we say these things over and over again, but only until Jesus upends our hearts. Only when love comes into your heart and your heart begins to be open, will your eyes begin to change. It's the same you. It's the same circumstances. But God delivers you from yourself and God sets you free. Come on, somebody. And he helps you to recognize that God knows how to change your heart. If he could change my heart for New England, he can change your heart for whatever it is that you're saying you will never, ever do again. That's good news today. Amen. Our hearts were transformed. Our eyes were retrained. And God gave us a a heart. Amen. So that we could see the need. And we would no longer resent the need. We we would embrace the need. And we would do everything that we can, as we did for the last 39 years. Amen. To continue to make sure that we are doing our very best as a team to transform thousands of lives around the world for the honor and glory of God. Amen. To God be the glory. Amen. Amen. So how do we enlarge our heart's capacity? One more thing. We experience God's love for yourself. You open our eyes open to the needs of others. And finally, number three, do something about it. Do something about it. What good is it to experience God's love, right? What is it, the difference does it make to have your heart be open, but we don't do anything about it, amen. Proverbs 3, 27 and 28 says, do not withhold good from those who deserve it 
when it's in your power to help them. And if you can help your neighbor now, don't say, come back tomorrow, and then I'll help you. So what do we do? Do something about it and do something about it now. We don't wait. We don't wait till after we see who wins the election or wait to see if our favorite person won or wait to see if, if we're going to care for people and love people that are different than us and on and on it goes. No, I, I hear people say all the time, Pastor, I, I don't think I can do that. You don't understand, Pastor, I'm unqualified. I've, I've got issues. How can I help somebody else when I am so messed up myself? Well, I'm glad you asked that question because 2 Corinthians chapter 1 has an answer for that. Verses 3 and 4, all praise to God and our Father and our Master, Jesus the Messiah. Father of all mercy, God of all healing counsel. He comes alongside us when we go through hard times. And before you know it, he brings us alongside someone else who's going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. Amen. So where is the best place to start? Right where you've been hurt or once was hurt. Where's the best place to help somebody else? Right where you struggle or you once struggled. How do we do this and where do we do this? Well, right where you feel the deepest and most passionate, that's where you get involved. I'm telling you, some of the best times that brought us out of our depths of despair is when we found somebody else who was in the depths of despair. We found somebody else who was going through something worse than we were. We were going through our worst time in our first four years of marriage and wondered if we would ever make it or if we would end up getting a divorce. Let me tell you something. Thank God that during that time, God brought us people that not only helped us, but we began to see others who were in much worse condition than, other, than we were and help them and recognize that in our pain, we could help somebody else. When you're overwhelmed by pain, it's obviously, obviously many times the, the best time for you to help somebody else. God turns your pain into gain. Amen. Let me close with this amazing story. One of my favorite stories in the Bible. You've heard me talk about this before in Mark chapter 1, verses 40 to 42. A man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus, begging to be healed. If you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. Move with compassion. Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. Instantly, the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. Pastor Josh, just a few weeks ago, gave the same example, and I wanted to revisit it again. Leprosy in the scriptures obviously represents something much deeper than a skin disease. Leprosy was well known to have the deepest wounds in a person's heart, much more than just a skin disease. Lepers were considered outcasts, ostracized from their families and their communities, and everyone knew that they're, they're, they were they're, this was a physically agonizing, soul-destroying death sentence. Notice what a heart full of love and compassion does. Jesus does something that surprises the leper and sh shocks his audience. Being moved with compassion, inspired, Jesus touched him before he healed him. And you might ask, what's the big deal? Well, first of all, the man's a leper. He didn't ask to be touched. He asked to be healed. Upon seeing a leper, you could easily be moved by what you saw and by what you smelled. It was a disease, listen, which not only ends in death, but more than that, 
any other disease. It's a picture of death working in life. For the parts of your body affected really die while you continually live on. Once a priest declared you a leper, you were immediately, your head was shaven and you were ostracized and you had to live isolated. And for the rest of your life, whatever short life you lived, you'd have to yell, unclean, unclean, when you came in by anyone and you couldn't come closer than six feet from a clean person. Sounds like social distancing in the New Testament, doesn't it? I have visited two leper colonies. Both experiences were extremely difficult. My first one was in Haiti, and my second one was in Sierra Leone, West Africa. Trust me when I say I was moved by what I saw. I don't know of any other time that my life, that my five senses were attacked all at the same time. Here's my journal entry about that experience. I walked into a dark, dilapidated building with no walls. They called the hospital. I was immediately greeted by intense heat and the smell of open sewers. There was no running water, no mattresses, hundreds of people laying on planks of wood. Then throw in the mix of odors, the smell of rotten human flesh and death, and the constant moaning, moaning and um, excruciating pain from open sores, missing noses, and fingers that were no longer there, and oozing bandages. There was no medicine. There was little food. Just a place to go to eventually die. And I was there to what? Pray for these people? I was officially in sensory overload. I wrote, I actually felt the hopelessness before I saw it in the saddest eyes I've ever seen. First, I was moved to become sick to my stomach. Second, I was moved to be afraid of my own well-being. And then I was moved in my heart that I wanted to help and bring comfort and healing. See, I didn't go in there with a whole lot of love and compassion, heart capacity. I was totally taken off guard. I was totally unprepared for what I saw. As a minister of the gospel, I had never experienced something like this before. I have never, ever even thought I ever would be in a leper colony, let alone here I was in the middle of one on a hot, humid, crazy day. And this was in Haiti. I was uncertain. I wasn't sure. As I was moved, at least I began to pray from afar, <laughs> reaching out my hand, bless him, Lord, help him, Lord. Then the more I moved around, something changed in my heart. Compassion came on me. I was no longer afraid of my own life. I was no longer in fear of catching something. I now had the love of God inside of me, and I began to lay hands on as many people as I could for as long as I could, as long as we were there. It was transforming. It changed my life. It took a while. Let me tell you something. Something inside of me. I laid hands on so many people, and I began to believe God, and I, I so wanted to encourage people. And here's what I learned. Selfishness shrinks the heart, limiting its ability to see. But God's love expands the heart, increasing its ability to see. I walked in that place not purposely wanting to be selfish, but self-preservation definitely took over my life, as you could imagine. 
But as long as I was there and the more I prayed and the more I began to see the example of others that we were there to minister with, life began to change. Jesus shows us a heart that's filled with love and compassion, that it touches that person first. Amen. It's, it's obvious that that touch was what? Affirmation, value, esteem, discern, heal the broken heart. Jesus' loving touch said to the man, said to the leper, you're still a man. You're still a man. Doesn't matter what you have. Doesn't matter what you look like. Doesn't matter how bad you smell. It doesn't matter what society says. It doesn't matter how broken you are. Love says it doesn't matter. Love communicates. I see it. I smell it. I can tell. I can see something that I I only maybe saw in the movies and seeing somebody with a nose that's missing or ear that's missing or fingers or limbs that are missing. When you are filled with something, only when you're filled with it can you spill it over to others. You can't give what you don't have, at least what you don't think you do have or you don't know that you have. Jesus had peace when that boat was trying to cross that, that, that Jordan and, and that Sea of Galilee, when that storm rose up, they feared for their life. They couldn't stop it because they didn't have the peace in their heart that Jesus had. Jesus had peace. So he was able to speak peace to that storm. Jesus had love. So he was able to affirm that leper. He was able to touch that leper. And let that leper realize you are loved. You are valued. I affirm you. And then he healed him. He could have easily healed him first and then hugged him. He didn't do it, did he? Here's the point. I don't believe that we can do anything significant in our lives unless we first enlarge the capacity of our heart. Our love for God, our love for his word increases our capacity so that we can see others like God sees them. If there's ever been a day that the church of Jesus Christ, the followers of Christ, need to see people the way God sees them, it's today. It's today. It's today. If there's ever been a time where the church is necessary, where there's ever been a time where the church must rise up to be this mighty, mighty force, if there's ever been a time for the people here in this room today and you joining me online today, if there's ever been a time for us, partners and friends of International Family Church, it's our time. What would happen if we saw our spouse, if we saw our family through the way God sees them? What would happen if we saw people that looked different than us and we saw them as God sees them? What would happen? What would happen if we saw people that voted different than us? But we saw them as God sees them. What would happen? What about if we saw and looked at people through the eyes of God that acted very different than we would, that are re reacting versus responding, that are that are are. are our, their anger is in full display, what would happen if we saw them through the eyes of God? Who would you buy a cup of coffee to get to know? Who would you have more urgency to pray for? Who would you invite to church? Who would you and what would you? Because God's love makes all the difference in our hearts.
What was our big takeaway? The greater your capacity to love, the greater your ability to see people the way God sees people. So I want to challenge you. We've got some dark days ahead of us. I don't have to be a prophet to declare that. We've got some interesting times that I believe most likely we've never seen in our lifetime. But I'm telling you, I'm not afraid because I've got God's love in my heart. Love never fails. Love makes you wise, no doubt. Love makes you make the right choices. But I'm going to do my very best and I want to encourage you to do the same. That no matter what we see, no matter what happens, no matter what we see on the news or what's going on in our neighborhoods, let's look at it through the filter of love. Let love be our lens. Amen. Let love be our lens. Let wisdom guide us, no doubt. But let love be our lens. And watch and see how God will use you to make a big difference. Where you would get afraid or overwhelmed or anxious or, or lose it that you won't this time because God's love expands and enlarges our heart and makes us more like Jesus. There's never been a better time to love your neighbor than right now. Come on, let's stand to our feet today. Did you learn something today? Come on, let's give God praise today. What a mighty God we serve today. Oh, we bless you, Jesus. Come on, will you raise those hands towards heaven today and bless him for a moment? Come on, all of us, if you're able, here in the sanctuary, you joining us online, raise those hands towards heaven today. Would you submit to his love today? Will you allow God to love you today? You know, we can't do this without Jesus' help. Oh, how I need you. Rebecca, I want you to sing that. Yes, we need him today. Let that be your prayer. I can't love like God loves without the help of Jesus, without his word coming alive in my heart. Will you dedicate yourself right now and say, Father, I declare war on selfishness. I'm going to look at my world differently. I'm going to look at it through your eyes. You'll show me. You'll guide me. You'll lead me. You'll protect me. You'll help me. I'm going to do it your way, Father. I'm going to be that ambassador. I'm going to be your representative. I'm going to represent you the best way I know how in Jesus' name. And Father, we thank you for increasing our heart's capacity. We can't do this without your help today.